Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We've been looking over the last several programs at an amazing lifestyle intervention on the island of Molokai. Really today, I want to help you appreciate just how diverse this program was. If you've never been to a residential lifestyle program, you may not realize that it takes a team to deliver things in a lifestyle program just like it does in a family, a home, or on a tribe. We're going to look at some of the more innovative things that they were doing there in Molokai and practical applications for you as you look at perhaps new ways to make a difference in your own life and in the life of those you love. With that background, I want to take you to some of the recordings I did there at Kiavanui on the island of Molokai. First, I want to introduce you to an interesting part of the lifestyle program there. might be a bit surprising, but here's some footage that I recorded at that very venue. So, I want to invite you guys to (laughs) lean forward, lean backward, to the left, to the right, stand up, sit down, to the left, to the right, lean forward, lean backward, to the left, to the right, stand up, sit down, to the left, again, lean forward, lean backward, to the left, to the right, stand up. Now, I'll be honest with you, that wasn't necessarily what I'd expect to find at a typical lifestyle program. I've worked with many over the years, and this program on Molokai probably had the most interesting applications of music therapy in the program. Of course, you got a flavor right there of helping the participants get more active, doing more movement in an engaging way as the music therapist was involved with the group. You'll be meeting her in just a few minutes. She's not just a music therapist, but we'll also find out she's a registered nurse and was a very vital part of that program. But as we're getting underway, just try to expand your mind. You hear lifestyle change programs. You've been hearing about diet. You've been hearing about maybe some of the more challenging circumstances uh, running a program like this on a very tight budget, charging the uh, participants really uh, just a nominal fee Grant funds largely supporting it as well as just saying, what can we do in our circumstances to make something nice, but, well, not necessarily equivalent to a five-star hotel. Well, let's again leave our studios here on the mainland and head back to Kiavanui in Molokai, where I interview the music therapist and registered nurse Jacqueline Jewell Esposo. Jackie, it's great to have you with us. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Jackie, you have some unique skills that are being utilized in a way I don't know that I've ever seen them utilized as well in a lifestyle program. So from the standpoint of medical background, tell us a little bit about that first. 
Okay, well, um, I'm a registered nurse. I'm, I'm currently practicing as a private nurse, and um, I'm also a piano performance major. Now, this is the interesting combination. Now, for folks who've been tuning into different segments of these interviews, we're in a multi-purpose educational classroom. And right now, we're sitting at one table, but the other tables are occupied by different participants in the program. They're all dialoguing together. So if there's more ambient noise than some of the other segments, that's the reason for it. But Jackie, I was glad that you were brave enough to come and raise your voice at this little table. No one's staring at us yet. Uh, it doesn't seem to have disrupted their groups. But what is um, your role here as a nurse and as a piano performance major? How are those skills being utilized? I guess you can call it, um, I'm an unofficial music therapist. And uh, what I do is I help to bring, um, well, let me say it this way. I help to bring happiness and wholeness through music. I have noticed as uh, I have looked on at what's happening during your music sessions that you've got people, well, let me put it this way. One of the guests said to me, not only am I getting exercise when I'm walking, in so many words, he said, I'm getting exercise every time I come to one of Jackie's music sessions. Now, uh, you, you got to explain this, because how would someone get exercise listening to a piano performance major? Well, as one of my favorite writers puts it, she said, perfect health equals perfect circulation. So I kind of take that approach when it comes to music, get the blood flowing, get people moving. And, you know, we're hitting uh, different parts of, of, of healthy living through music. For example, I get them to um, lean forward, lean backward, to the left, to the right, you know, stuff like that. Okay, we're, we're hoping to get some footage from your music sessions that we'll incorporate into this, uh, this show. And if uh, folks who are tuning in, they're getting a lot of music, in quotes, that they weren't expecting. We've even got some young uh, children, toddlers in the room. Some of the, uh, one of the coaches and actually Mercy, the program organizer, both have uh, small children, uh, what, in the, uh, in the range of, what, 10 to 12 months, something in that range. So you have made an effort not only to reach out to the program participants, but because there are children around, You've also tried to involve them in the music portion. Tell us uh, what uh, what's behind that in your mind. Well, in my mind, everybody is a kid at heart. You know, um, there's a Bible verse that I really relate with, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. So even with little kids, they sense that joy. They sense that happiness through music. And I feel like if little kids can relate to that, so can big kids, a.k.a. adults. <laughs> so it's interesting. When you get the kids involved, you got the little kids they may not be clapping their hands. One of them is at times. But uh, the adults really get drawn into that. And maybe they wouldn't have participated as much had not a little one been up front also involved in the process. Have you found that in your experience? I have found that it, it is easier when, when the little kids or the young at heart <laughs> get involved. Everybody seems to be more open to doing things they normally wouldn't be doing. So let's talk to you a little bit more as a nurse who's doing this. You say you're a private duty nurse. Do you use music therapy, if you will, in your work with your individual clients? Yes, I actually use a lot of music therapy. We do about um, 30 minutes as a, as a scheduled session with one of my patients, but we do music throughout the day. For example, um, sometimes instead of using an incentive spirometer to get my patient to breathe uh, um, better, I've, I've found that a harmonica works better for her. And um, 
she tends to breathe better when she can hear sound, and I found that fascinating because I never really thought about it until I started working with her. I said, "Oh, I wonder if this is going to work." So I kind of incorporate that into my nursing process and the day to day with this patient. So this is interesting. So one of the ways you found that you can help people breathe more deeply is not taking one of these machines where they blow and try to get the little ball to go up so high. But getting to use a harmonica, or sing, or do something else that calls their lungs into action. Yes, for example, we use the song, you know, somewhere over the rainbow, and I found that like with octave jumps.、Um, My patient, she breathes deeper and longer when she has to reach a higher note. So we do stuff like that, or I do、uh, songs with a, a faster rhythm,、um, so that she'll move her arms to the to the beat of the music.、Uh, so it's tailor made to to the patient. At one point, you were talking to participants in the program here, and you were telling them about some of the strategies you've used in stroke rehabilitation with music. Bring our our listeners up to speed on how you've、uh, incorporated music in that setting. Well, I think it's similar to what I'm doing here、um, in terms of movement. Movement, for example,、uh, when my patient has a hard time, say, sitting up in her bed,、um, I just I encourage her to say, "Okay,、uh, let's lean forward." And then if she's not, I just say. Lean more forward. <laughs> so I sing. I sing the directions, and I find that she responds better when I'm singing the directions. One of the things that's interesting about this is one of the challenges that we face in the world today is an epidemic of cognitive challenges of dementia, and a lot of people are trying to tap into things that are familiar to get people engaged. I've also. Heard about how music has been used in that setting? Is that part of what you found as well? I have found that to be true. So for this particular patient of mine, I've asked what her favorite songs are, or I've just kind of done it on on the spur of the moment to see what she responds to. But my grandmother, who suffered from, she's passed already a couple years ago. She suffered from dementia and Alzheimer's disease. We found that singing her favorite hymns actually opened up her brain, where she responded to us after we sang. Her favorite hymn to her. So this is fascinating. So what you're telling us is not only does the person become engaged, maybe when they weren't to begin with, by singing a familiar song, but it actually carried over then into social interaction after the the singing was done. Yes, that's correct. We could hold—I mean, not long conversations, but short phrases with well, with my grandmother. She was her her mind opened up. So let's step back again now. Someone is listening. They've been hearing about this innovative program, and you've incorporated different styles of music. For a tribe on the mainland, they might be thinking of some traditional music in their culture. Why do you think, as a health professional, that if someone is running a lifestyle program, whether it's a seven-day intensive like has been offering here, or or a program of a shorter length or a longer length, why do you think music should be included? Well, I think music, as they say, is a universal language, and I find that in my travels, wherever I go, it seems to connect people. And there's power in connection and community. And when you find that、um, singing with people, say it's like a choir in a church, or a group in a lifestyle program, or you know, being with one-on-one with a patient, there's power in music, and I feel that it's essential in the healing process. So, Jackie, folks. 
who've heard your music, whether we can pull off a, a nice clip uh, or two here in this show or not, they may want to listen to some of your stuff. They may want to purchase some of your music. I know you're a professional recording artist. How does someone get a hold of, uh, of your music? Uh, well, most of my music is on my website, JacquelineJewelMusic.com. It's available on iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, so all social media platforms. So I've just got to remember Jacqueline Jewel. Yes. Yes, Jacqueline Jewell. That's my that's my name. It's my real name. I didn't make it up. I think my mom gave it to me because I was born in Vegas. So how do you spell it, Jacqueline Jewell? J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E. My middle name is Jewell, J-E-W-E-L. Okay, so I think I got that. Jacqueline Jewell, if I remember that, just put it in any search engine, any music uh, site, and I can find some of your stuff. That's correct. Jackie, I want you to tell us, because people can't see what's happening, when you look up from the keyboard, what do you see change from the time that you introduce a song, or maybe introduce a program, and then you actually enter into it? Well, I see people's moods being lifted. Um, you know, some of them, they don't know what ex what to expect when they see me sitting at the keyboard, um, but... When I start playing the piano, I see people smiling, they start laughing, they start interacting even more closely with one another, and music just boosts and improves your mood. You know, I so appreciate you talking about connectedness. Today in my lectures, we were speaking about social connections. We were talking about some of the material in the Methuselah Factor that speaks about how when we're more connected with other people, our blood is more fluid. Uh, levels of different compounds drop in the blood that are healthy. We decrease the risk of stroke and heart attack, uh, at least according to the research on compounds like fibrinogen, one that we talked about. So what I think is so interesting is this holistic approach to health that's being modeled here. I just think it's exciting. And if folks want to tap into that music you've given them, Jacqueline Jewell, they can take advantage of that. Any final words you'd like to leave people with based on your involvement here? Well, there's a quote that has stuck in my mind throughout the years. Music is emotionally rendered math. And um, I'm actually not very good at math. <laughs> so if I can help change people's lifestyle through music, I encourage everyone to do that because anybody can actually make a joyful tune. Right? They can sing, they can play an instrument, or they can just encourage someone through a song, play it from their phones, play it from the computer, whatever it is. Music can heal people. Jackie Jewell, Esposa, thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. We will be back with more right after this. Today's broadcast has been pre recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. 
Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're doing a series of programs from the island of Molokai in the Hawaiian Islands. We're at a venue that is of great local significance. It is called Keavanui, and I'm just still learning about the significance of this place. I learned today that it was featured by uh, Anthony Bourdain on his uh, program some time ago. But uh, now it is the site of an intensive lifestyle change program, a one-week program, and we've been interviewing staff as well as participants. Across from me is one of the people who has been volunteering her time to make the program a success. Her name is Honora Kalama. Honora, great to have you with us. Thank you, Dr. DeRos. It's great to be here. So when people hear the last name Kalama, they say, well, this is obviously someone who was born and raised her whole life in Hawaii. Is that true? Um, unfortunately, I was not born here. I was born in Texas, but I was fortunate enough to be raised on Maui um, and then later on moved here to Molokai when I met my husband. Very good. So how long has Molokai been home for you? Off and on for 13 years, um, the last two consecutively, though. Okay, so basically you are a local resident now of this area, and you were tapped as one of the health coaches. Tell us a little bit about the role of a health coach in this intensive program. We are here to help support the participants, um, not only during the ten, uh, the seven-day program here, but also when we leave, because... Um, you know, we just thought it would be really ample to someone's success uh, if they had the support at home as well, because um, it's hard to make these changes. That's an amazing thing about this program, and I've I've remarked many times since we've been here. My wife and I, of course, have been helping as volunteer staff. We're not treating people medically as physicians, but we've been giving some health lectures and other input into the program, and we've been amazed at how structured 
the follow-up is. I mean, it's it's really part and parcel of what you're doing. There are three of you, mm-hmm. correct, who are health coaches. Yes. Uh, myself, uh, Jessica Kalave, and then Christina as well. Um, we all have participants uh, from different areas of the island, uh, particularly closer to where we uh, are located as far as living. And um, we're going to meet with our groups. Uh, we came up with an exercise program with each other. Um, so we'll meet a few times a week to support each other with exercise. Um, as well as when we can't meet, we're going to message each other and um, give friendly reminders and just encouragement. As well as meeting once a week for our cooking classes, mm-hmm. um, where the participants can bring a guest, someone from their household, and uh, show them what they're doing, and hopefully they gain interest through that, and it's fun for them, um, and they can support their family member that's trying to make the change. It's like you were saying, you know, about the uh, community contact or just having that fellowship outside with like-minded people. One of the presentations I made here at this venue was on social connectedness mm-hmm. and the power of it. And so really just looking at this structure and hearing from you, uh, Honora, this is, uh, I'm learning every time I, I talk with one of you health coaches. So you've got a group out of the 12 or so total participants, mm-hmm. you have maybe three or four people mm-hmm. on your team that mm-hmm. live in your geographic area. Yes, that's correct. And this exercise plan that you've got several times a week, is that just for the three or four people in your group, or is that for the whole entire uh, participant panel? So um, my group, we came up with an exercise program that will work for us with all of our work schedules Mm -hmm. outside of here. But each group is um, also meeting, and they have scheduled times for themselves. But uh, the exercise groups are extended to others if they would like to join us when we go. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I know some of the participants uh they also do things outside so tai chi yoga swimming water aerobics and they've let their fellow participants know what's available so it's a great way for them to connect without us having to be there as well i love this grassroots approach because when i've worked in programs i'm thinking of something we did in in europe a few years ago we're helping with a program there i mean people came from a number of different countries Mm -hmm. or in the united states when we're working with programs there i mean they maybe come from different states hundreds thousands of miles away or from overseas Mm -hmm. and so a person will make dramatic lifestyle changes may see dramatic improvement Mm -hmm. in the course of a week or two weeks or even three weeks in some of these programs But when they go back home, they're really on their own. Mm -hmm. What's happening here, because it's a grassroots program and because there is this follow-up embedded, this is just really the beginning of a lifestyle that people are committing to. They've got a support network built in. And I love this aspect. I would not heard this from any of the other coaches, but I didn't realize these weekly cooking classes, Mm -hmm. you're encouraging them to invite a friend or relative. Mm -hmm. Tell me why you think that's going to be so impactful. Well, a lot of the participants aren't used to cooking this way, so we just want to show them how easy it can be. It doesn't have to be a daunting or scary thing uh, for them or for their family members, and we just encourage them to bring a household member so that uh, they can see what it's like, you know, and and make it fun for them, and then they're more likely to support uh, their mother or sister or uh, daughter with those changes. 
So, Honora, one of the other questions that we always have as we speak with staff members mm -hmm. is how has this impacted you personally? You've been on a journey as a health coach. You know, tell us a little bit about that first and then let us know what this specific program is meaning for you. Um, well, uh, I began this journey as a health coach um, because I saw the need in the community. Um, as I, I said earlier, um, you know, you can just look around and you see that we're plagued with diabetes and obesity and amongst other things. Um, cancer also is really prevalent here throughout the island. And I just, I know and I believe that food is medicine, even before I took the health uh, coaching course. So I originally wanted to come up with a way to educate people about that. And um, I had an idea about growing food or outsourcing food and just selling it at the local market with mm -hmm. a little plaque, and, you know, saying, oh, here's basil. This is what it's good for. This is how you can cook it. This is what you can cook it with. And it's, you know, your local pharmacy so to speak. And I was sharing this idea with my sister as we were nursing my dad back to health after his uh, double bypass and heart valve replacement. And she introduced me to the health coaching program. So that began my journey uh, towards that. Um, and then also a couple years ago, my mother started suffering from seizures. Mm. Um, she's been a, a, an alcoholic most of... Wow. Uh -huh my life so um, we had always wanted her to stop um, but you know you, it's it's a process mm -hmm. and so when she started getting the seizures from alcohol withdrawals um, we knew it was something serious and unfortunately it took her a while to stop she couldn't remember mm -hmm. having the seizures and what it was doing to her uh, so finally we got her on a program and um, so that really encouraged me as well and she was actually supposed to come with me really yeah oh sorry but new year's day she had seizures mm. so she wasn't up to it mm. um, you know she's still feeling really weak and the schedule is very intensive right right she needs a lot of rest so i almost didn't come you know and mercy had given me the option but you know i this is something I believe in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she said, no, you go and you you learn and you come back and you teach me. Because um, a lot of these recipes are new to me as okay. well. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. But, um, and then luckily, you know, I knew Mercy was doing these programs for a long time. And um, luckily last year, uh, February or March, I believe, I finally got to meet with her face-to-face. Okay. -face. Oh, so you and Mercy had not met till less than a year ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And But I've all, you know, I hear so much about her, and just talking to other people in the community, they're like, oh, you got to meet Mercy, you know, she's doing these great programs, and da-da-da-da, you know, so... And for those who haven't heard some of the other interviews in this series, Mercy Reddy is the person who's coordinated these programs and has brought them here to uh, Keava Nui and is uh, really helping to organize a, a network of people to help support folks here on the island of Molokai on this journey of, to better health, isn't she? Yes, yes, she's amazing. She's our program director. And, I mean, 
none of this would have happened without her. And so because of her, I was, I'm able to utilize my health coaching certificate and I'm able to help um, the members of my community that I, um, you know, love and respect. This is Dr. David DeRose just stepping away from the venue there of Keavanui on Molokai and coming back here to my studios on the mainland. We've been speaking with a young lady who really, as we've listened to her story, invested a lot in coming to help with the Residential Lifestyle Change Program. But I hope as you're listening to Honora's story, you're saying, are there maybe some things in my community, opportunities that I'm not taking advantage of because of pressing things on my home front? Maybe I could pull away as well, and as I help other people gain insights that will allow me to come back home and make a bigger difference. It's just something that we have to think about as we listen to that amazing story. We're going to come back with some other insights from Honora and other practical things that can make a difference as far as your impacting your community, your family, and more as we continue the dialogue on today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We'll be back with more right after this. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke. Sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. 
Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose, we are here at our studios on the mainland, but we are going right back to Molokai and to Anora. If you were not with us in our last segment, Anora was sharing her story of how she joined the Kayavanui Lifestyle Program, that seven-day intensive program as a health coach, and how she was committed to sticking with not only the program, but also supporting three individuals who were working as part of her team. You'll hear more from her story and practical lessons as we go back to a very busy multi-purpose room on the island of Molokai. So, Anora, many folks who are listening today may be indigenous peoples. They may not be Native Hawaiians, but they're Native Americans. Maybe they're living on a reservation in a rural location. They could be in an urban setting. Um, for folks who find themselves in a setting like Molokai, in that this is more rural, I've noticed there's not a lot of educational opportunities. I'm assuming your health coaching was done online or through a distance program. Is that safe to assume or not? Yes, yes it is done online. Um, it was an institute in New York. I know Mercy and Jessica and Christina used one through, I believe, California. Um, but, yeah, it was actually not as hard... Uh, as you would think, because the information is so interesting and vital that it was, it was like, it was like a sponge just soaking it all up. And it's amazing. It's amazing. I, I recommend if you have, you know, the time and the enthusiasm, uh, to do it, then you should go for it. You won't be disappointed. A lot of folks in public health talk about community health workers. And there may be in certain places a formal curriculum for these individuals. Health coaches have a lot in common with community health workers. You're working one-on-one -on -one with people. You're trying to make an impact at the community and at the local level. As you look at that whole picture, we're moving away, I would say, from what many health professionals realize is not sustainable, a world where we have been taught to think that if you have medical issues or health concerns, you've got to see a highly trained health professional with multiple years of training and certifications, whether they're an MD or registered nurse or registered dietitian. And of course, as a physician, I wouldn't appreciate the importance of any of those roles. But we're realizing that if we don't have people at more of a grassroots level, we're not going to make a dent or at least not make as big a dent in these problems like diabetes and obesity and, and hypertension and these other lifestyle-related conditions. So as you've entered, if you will, the, the health workforce as a health coach, and I know some people wouldn't necessarily put that label on you, but I'm very comfortable doing that. What have you found is unique or different at least about this type of approach, the intensive one-week program and then the follow-up, as opposed to what you were trained on in your health coaching mm -hmm. curriculum? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, what's unique is about this program is that I'm actually working with uh, people in the community because through the health coaching program, you can work with people over the phone or, you know, on Skype or uh, FaceTime. Um, and and all of the people doing the program are from the island of Molokai, um, so I will see them in the community. And even you know uh, the 
participants who aren't in my group, I can also ask them how they're doing and, you know, what's going on with them. Um, just find out where they're at, if, if they're having any hindrance. Um, just really be there to support them. Whereas um, I think if you're on a more broad uh, spectrum of that, you don't have that face-to-face connection so much. Thank you so much. I didn't realize how challenging it was for you to even be here, but I know you've been making an incredible impact. I've seen you you know, working with the cooking and doing instruction and working with your team, so I know you've been a valuable part of, uh, of the program here, and I look forward to hearing good things about you and your team and, and the, the impact of this entire program. Thank you, Dr. DeRose. It's been amazing having you as well. And we're so fortunate uh, to be able to have you support us. And thanks for coming so far. You're back with Dr. David DeRose in my studios on the mainland. And although Honora expressed her appreciation for me and my wife being there on the island of Molokai, we just want to take a minute from American Indian Living and express our appreciation to each of you for tuning into the show today. We've been listening to people whose lives were changed, some of them at great difficulty pulling away, as was the case of Honora, pulling away from real responsibilities in the home and saying, I am going to focus on helping myself and helping other people and then bring back those things back to my own family. I think it's a powerful example, and hopefully it's something that you draw inspiration from. We are now going to hear from one of the program participants by the name of Tracy. You'll get acquainted with her, and I think you'll draw inspiration from her story as well. We're going back to footage I recorded there on the island of Molokai, the venue Keavanui, and a single building there that was suitable for our ability to record. It also served as the makeshift kitchen, the office, the gathering place for people. So often a lot more ambient noise than you're used to on the show, but I think these interviews are so powerful, I knew you would not want to miss them. Here we go with Tracy from Molokai. Across from me now at my table is Tracy Ann Howe. Tracy, it's great to have you with us. Thank you. It's really good to be here. Now, to most of your friends who are not native Hawaiian, you go by Tracy, but you have a Hawaiian name as well, right? Yes. It is Kapua, and so you'll know that my either family or close friends call me Kapua. Okay. So a lot of the Hawaiian names I've noticed are long names. Is Kapua short for something, or is that uh, the whole name for you? Well, actually, my name comes from a longer name, Kapua'le Nani Ikala, which my grandmother broke down into four names because we have four girls in our family. So it's Kanani, the oldest, Kapua, Kale, and Kala. Interesting. Very interesting. How did she know there'd be four girls? I, I don't know. My grandma knew a lot of things. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. Beforehand. <laughs> So we are uh, talking with Tracy. Tracy has been participating in the program here. We're now in the fifth or sixth day. Yes, we are. And what has your experience been here? To be honest, in the beginning, and it is still a little bit difficult just because of being living in a tent. I haven't been camping in years. Mm-hmm. And um, just not being knowing how to prepare, what to pack, and, you know. And then the weather and then the distance from the tents to the outhouses that we have here. But other than that, the atmosphere is 
so welcoming, overwhelming of people and the, the love. And all of us are going through our own personal struggles. So it's it's really it's exciting, even though it's been a it's been a tough tough few days. Yeah, we're here in the rainy season, and some of us have been surprised to uh, find our tents less than dry. They're very nice tents, very nice accommodations as far as camping goes. But um, I and my wife noticed uh, some water creeping into the tent because the rains have been. I mean, some people would use the word torrential. Maybe you don't use that word here on, on Molokai. But I gathered that you even had more water in your tent than we did. Yes, we actually we, we moved our tent earlier today. So, um, well, I live on this island, but where I come from, which is Kanakakai, the town, there's very little rain. Hmm. So when it's pouring here where we're at, there, there could be no rain at all in town. So I, I do love the rain. So it's nice to have this kind of rain, and I'm praying that it, it was raining at home too. <laughs> okay, it's amazing because the island is not that big. It's, I've been told it's about 35 miles long. Yes, yes. And so we may only be, what, 13, 15 miles out of town? Right, right. And so town is right in the, almost in the middle of Molokai uh, on the north shore. And so it'll rain at the west on the south shore. And then down here where we're at on the east end. So, I mean, it's, it's a small island, but it's amazing how the weather is so different at different parts of it. So basically, you are someone who has, is it safe to say, has spent a good portion of your life here on Molokai? Yes, I think mo- the majority of my life. I was raised in Indiana, but moved here to Molokai when I was ready for high school. And I graduated in 1977, so that was quite a while ago. So I, I went away to college. I lived in Colorado for a while, and then I ended up on the Big Island. I ended up in Honolulu. I lived on Maui for a little while, but God always brings me back here. Out of my four sisters, I'm the only one that keeps coming home. I have my mom here also. So so although you were raised, at least in Indiana, your family roots go back to Hawaii. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Not Not here on Molokai. We actually have no family here. My mom and my dad's side both come from the Big Island. Uh, my dad from Kona, and my mom's side from Miloli'i, which is from the big island of Hawaii. So let's talk now about your experience other than the, some of the challenges. And, and to me, it's fascinating because I've never been to a lifestyle program like this. I've, I've worked with lifestyle programs in different parts of the world. Uh, they've often utilized campgrounds, I mean, where there's lodging, I mean, with cabins or something like that. If it's a temporary program, uh, they've used hotel structures. I once worked with a lifestyle program on a cruise ship. That was quite an interesting experience. But um, many times they're in hotel-like accommodations. So this is really simple, but the, the simplicity of it has uh, made it very cost-effective. How would you describe the relative price for a one-week program here? Affordable, I could say. That part was was good. I mean, you know, that, that part about being able to afford it, you know, because I've never been to any other program. Just the fact that it's on Molokai, I really wanted to do it. I think if it was anywhere else, I, I wouldn't have the desire to. But I've heard so much about this place, even though it's on Molokai. This is only maybe the second or third time I've been here at Kealvinui. So it was more of wanting to experience it myself and even learning more about the island that I, I really don't, haven't learned about even though I've been here, you know, all these years. So learning more about my culture, changing and learning more about my, what 
you know, what I'm eating and putting in my body. The medical part about um, being off a of medication now with only three days into the program. So it's been a, a whole bunch of um, little things that, that I've been able to experience here. This is Dr. David DeRose stepping away just for a moment from our venue there at Keavanui on the island of Molokai. We'll come back with more from Tracy Ann Howe. She's going to be sharing some exciting things about her health journey and how it changed amazingly in that short time while she was there at the lifestyle program at Keavanui. Hopefully, as you're listening to these interviews, you're connecting the kind of dots that I believe can make a big difference right where you're at. I know that we don't have a lot of listeners in the Hawaiian Islands, but we do have many who also represent rural communities. They may not have a lot of uh, discretionary income, but you're catching a vision of what can happen when a woman like Mercy Ritty, the one who developed this program on Molokai, catches a vision starts talking with funding sources, gets grants, and actually says, I'm going to make a difference for my people with a program, an intensive program for a week, and then follow up over the course of a month and longer. Keep that in mind, how it can make a difference in your community. We'll come back to more of the life-changing interview with Tracy Ann Howe right after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand. And someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. 
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We've been listening to segments that I recorded on the island of Molokai at a venue called Kiavanui. We've been talking with a woman by the name of Tracy Ann Howe. Tracy's been sharing her journey, some of the challenges of going through a budget-oriented lifestyle program, but nonetheless one that was making a profound effect on her. She's going to share now some of her medical results. We go back to that interview from the fairly busy venue of the only building suitable for recording at Kiavanui. In fact, it was also the building that was the only suitable place for cooking and for people to meet out of the rain, and that was happening during this interview. So you'll get a feel for that environment as we tune back in to those segments that I recorded on the island of Molokai. Tracy, you mentioned coming off of medications. Tell us a little bit about what you've been dealing with health-wise and what medications you've been able to come off of. Well, besides what happened with my spine, I had spinal stenosis in two places. So in 2016, I had my C4 and C5 fused. In 2017, I had my L4 and L5 fused. So dealing with that in itself was a, a big deal. I gained more weight, not being able to move around and exercise like I wanted to. I'm dealing with the pain. And then I also have asthma that I acquired in my 30s. I'm 60 years old now. So it's been a challenging life, um, you know, growing older and, and having all these other, you know, things that happen, me- medical things that happen. But it's been only a year, though, since I was diagnosed with diabetes. So I've been on glyphosate. I tried Actos and I had terrible side effects from that. Mm-hmm. Um, swelling in my feet that was so bad that I could barely walk. So we, got, we, we tr- switched to... 10 milligrams of glipizide, and then we went up from 1,000 milligrams of uh, metformin to 2,000 milligrams of metformin. So three days into the program, um, I was able to uh, stop taking my glipizide. And did your blood sugars go up quite a bit when you did that? No, surprisingly not. It went, well, for me it wasn't. I mean, it was about 190-something, which it's gone way higher than that for me, but um, since then, it's been going down. And I've only been on my 2,000 milligrams of metformin. So I went from 190 to 170, and now it's down to 155 for three days of being off of the glipizide. So this is exciting. So basically, your blood sugar was poorly controlled when you came. You were on two medications. You've been able to stop one, and your numbers keep coming down in spite of that. Yes, they are. It's It's amazing. So what are you doing? Because uh, we've got a lot of listeners who have diabetes. What have you changed in the last week that has helped your blood sugar so much? I changed my diet. I've been on this program. It's been plant-based. Beans, vegetables. Uh, today we had some poi. We had um, almost a, a Hawaiian-style um, lunch or dinner, and it was sweet potato, poi. We had um, limu and tomatoes. And we had some um, cucumbers and beans. So I'm learning how to incorporate all these different foods. Well, they're not different. They're foods I know, but I mean, um, changing, changing my way of eating and just being plant-based. So folks who have heard anything about Hawaii have 
heard of poi, but they may not know what it is. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, poi is almost like a, a potato, a staple food for us. But we, it's grown on dry land. There's some grown on wetland. There's several different varieties of poi, so it gives it a different color when it's boiled, skinned, and then mashed. So kind of like mashed potatoes, but it has a consistency of almost like paste, I think people would call it, and it really has no taste to it. So you have to acquire a taste for it, but that's something, you know, local people are raised on, so it goes well with the food we eat. And so if someone has heard of it under another name, it would be taro, is that correct? Taro, yes, taro, or kalo, which is the Hawaiian word for taro. So you're eating these indigenous plant foods. Many of the dishes you've been served here, I mean, they've been prepared by native Hawaiians, local folks, right? Yes, yes. Um, the boy is something hard to come by nowadays. Um, farmers are having trouble. I know local farmers here are having trouble with growing the kalo because the deer love it so much. So I know one farmer who doesn't do it anymore, doesn't farm the taro anymore because he can't compete with the deer, wow. which is really sad. So it's a hard food to come by, and, and now it's the price is going up a little bit. Okay, so you've changed your diet. Have you changed anything else in your lifestyle while you've been in this seven-day intensive lifestyle change program? Well, besides what I eat, I'm drinking water, more water. I'm watching my water intake and trying to incorporate that more and also the exercise. But it's really small, um, small exercise, you know, 15 minutes or an hour in the morning, just loosening up and then walking 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and then a 15-minute walk after our two meals a day. So other than that, yeah, that's basically all I've been doing. So it's not been a lot of exercise, not a huge amount. Is that a lot more than you had been doing prior to coming? Oh, yes, a lot more, especially the walking after the meal. It's something to get used to, but, you know, now that I'm, I'm getting used to it, it, it really does show me what a difference it makes in my body as far as the digesting part goes and, you know, not feeling that heavy, heavy tiredness, you know, after... Eating and then walking is, is something I want to incorporate also. Many of us who've had people do a light walk after a meal, uh, I'm speaking of physicians, we've been impressed by how much that can help blood sugar after the meal. So an individual that will do that, if they check their sugar before the meal mm -hmm. and then a couple hours after, that exercise really makes a big difference in helping to keep it more stable. As we wind up our brief segment, Tracy, there's a lot of folks who listen to this show who are indigenous peoples. They may not be native Hawaiians. They might be uh, Alaska natives. They might be uh, Native Americans from the uh, mainland. What kind of message would you have for them? Is this a, the kind of program you think could work in other places, or is this just something for Hawaii that would make a difference? Oh, no. I, I believe this program could work anywhere with any person. You know, it, it just takes a desire to want to do it. Of course, you have to have the opportunity and the people to pull the program through. You know, but I believe it, it can be done. I believe it as, you know, the think times change and, you know, looking at people's lifestyle. And, you know, the one important thing in my life are my grandchildren and the next generation. So I want to be around. I, I want to spend the time with my... I have two daughters that still haven't had children yet. Although I have eight grandchildren and one on the way... I want to be here for them. So I've decided that this is what I need to do for myself. And then I also take care of my 83-year-old mom, who I will introduce this to. And, you know, hopefully um, she'll, she'll take part in it also. But I, I believe 
I believe it's for anyone who wants to make a difference and change in their lifestyle. Tremendous. One other aspect of the program that I've been really excited about is the follow-up. So tell our listeners a little bit why you're interested in the follow-up, what it means to you, or whether you think this is just an imposition, that you'd rather just come for a week and be done with it. Oh, no. No, not that I've... I mean, I've fallen in love, literally fallen in love with the food. And so um, just knowing, wanting to know more about how to prepare different recipes. We, we got, you know, we were blessed with a book of, of recipes, you know, from prior students who did the program. So having that, you know, I mean, you just look in that book and think of all the things. I mean, there's so many things in there that I really want to try. So meeting once a month or every Thursday, I believe after, um, this Sunday, we'll be meeting every Thursday. And then every second Tuesday of every month is really, um, something I look forward to because I want, I want to know more, um, recipes. <laughs> it's exciting. It's exciting. So basically, you've bonded with a small group as well as the larger group. The small group will be meeting weekly and the larger group every other week. No, the, yeah, the small group will be meeting weekly, but the larger group will be meeting, I think, the second Tuesday, yes, of every month. So once a month. Okay, okay. Yeah. Good, good. Well, it sounds exciting. I'm looking forward to hearing from you and how your success continues to develop and uh, really be maintained over the coming weeks and months. Yes. Well, I'm looking forward to Sunday is when we're going to do a blood check again, our blood. Yeah, I want to see what my weight is and all my blood levels. I really do. I'm looking forward to that, too. <laughs> well, this is Dr. David DeRose back at my studios on the mainland. I'll tell you, it's been an inspiring series of programs for me, and I continue to be excited about this vision of how indigenous peoples can reconnect with their roots. Uh, I find it in so many places as people really catch a vision for the power of some of the indigenous plant foods in particular and how those foods can make a difference as far as their blood sugar, their blood pressure, their weight, their energy level. Things really change dramatically. If you've caught this vision or it's nurtured a vision that you already had and you're looking to do something similar in your community, maybe with your tribe, maybe just on a family basis, and you'd like to get more information, if you haven't heard us give out the information before, let me do it one more time for you. The coordinator of the program is happy to hear from you. Her name is Mercy Ritty. M-E-R-C-Y is her first name. Last name is Ritty, R-I-T-T-E. Her email is simply mercyritty at gmail.com. So again, M-E-R-C-Y for mercy, Ritty, R-I-T-T-E, at gmail.com. If you want to talk with someone who's really put together an amazing program helping people connect with their indigenous roots, that's the person you'll want to talk with. I'm Dr. David DeRose. That's all for today. And as always, I'm wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.